how it goes at coaches. Uh, don't forget, head over to our website, runthepower.com. Go check out our free standard membership. Uh, you've got, we've got a lot of good football stuff on there. Uh, the cool part about it, it kind of shows you what our premium membership looks like, and you can do that monthly or yearly and save yearly. Uh, but basically, we've got our offense, how to install it, a lot of film, a lot of work on there. Uh, you can get uh, percentages off of the clinics that we're going to do here in the future. And uh, a lot of other good stuff, some access to me and Coach Walls through Zoom uh, to show you some of the clips and different things that we have personally. Uh, so you guys go check that out uh, over at our uh, over on our website. Uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice. Worn by over 1,000 high schools, like my high school at Broken Air on Coach Walls over at Ankeny, and over 100 colleges like Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Most programs utilize them for their guys in the box to address the repetitive, subconcussive blows that add up throughout the season or an athlete's career. They're also great for body blows, helmets to knees, hips, quarterback hands, while keeping the helmets looking good for game day and protecting speed flexes from cracking. Uh, you guys go check them out at guardiancaps.com and request a, co- a request a quote for great team pricing. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software for athletics programs around the country. Whether you write your own program, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Visit their website and start a 14-day free trial. And right now, Team Builder is offering coaches complimentary in-season football strength program As you may recall, New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength conditioning philosophy is to just maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the template once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out to them and tell them that you heard it from us over here at RTP. Go visit Team Builder at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. This episode is also brought to you by the always powerful Sideline Power. Sideline Power offers cutting-edge technology and innovation. Um, It's the industry leader in coaching communication. Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communications at price points for every program. Family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality, Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com by email at info at sidelinepower.com or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. And then last but never, ever least is SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. SkyCoach is the market leader in sideline replay. Go visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. And that will do it for the read. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Coach Matt Jones. 
Coach Jones is the offensive line coach at Texas Southern and my old stomping grounds, uh, Third Ward of Houston, Texas. Matt is also the creator of Lyman Lunch on Facebook and Twitter. Listen as we talk with Coach Jones about Texas Southern's ability to have vertical or lateral movement on his gap double teams depending on the play or the front, uh, some of the ins and outs of duo, and uh, over his many pilgrimages to the O-line mecca, the Cool Clinic in Ohio. You can follow Coach Jones on Twitter at Coach Matt with two T's, Jones. Hope you guys enjoy. Excited to be on the podcast, guys. I'll tell you what, I, you know, I'm here at Texas Southern as the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. Um, prior to that, I was in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, kind of got my career started off as a student assistant. I went to Eastern Illinois, did my undergrad there, uh, worked for an awesome guy and Coach Bob Spoo, you know, a, a veteran coach who was there for a long, long time. And then uh, I student taught. I coached in the high school ranks at Lincoln Way Central High School outside of Chicago. From there, I went to uh, University of St. Francis, an NAI program, uh, and, and you know, kind of got baptized under fire. You're a young coach, you know, in the NAI program, you don't have a lot of uh, staff, so you got to learn quickly and learn on the run. So you're going to make some mistakes. Don't make them twice. <laughs> from there, I uh, – yeah, from there I left. And I, I work for a great guy, Mike Durembich, who's the offense coordinator at Northern Illinois right now. And then uh, – you know, I had to leave to go to Kansas City and went to Avila University as the uh, offensive line and run game coordinator. And then uh wanted to get my shot as first time, you know, position coach in a one double A school. And I had the opportunity to be the offensive assistant and tight ends coach at Villanova. Uh, worked for Andy Talley and Mark Ferrante, uh, who's now the head coach. Uh, had an awesome experience there. And then uh, I was probably the oldest GA in the country at uh, – <laughs> Tulane University. Yeah, I was 31 years old when I started. So, you know, you take a while doing your undergrad. That, that NCAA rule, uh, you know, goes into effect. So, well, I was there for two years and then, you know, made my way over to Texas Southern. Well, I, I had that, that dumb say I had you beat, cold. Coach. I was I was 32 when I was a GA at Tulsa, so I, I just barely had you beat, man. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That, you uh, learn you learn to work efficiently. That's what I think is the coolest. You, you get some of those guys in, they've got to be efficient because they've, uh, you know, a lot of the older guys have either started somewhere else or they started in high school and now they're making the bump up and it's like uh, with, with all the extra stuff they've had to do um, and then now they're doing class as well, they've had to be extremely, extremely efficient. Without a doubt, yep. And it does help having a background in, you know, coaching prior to doing your GA. You know, I kind of reverse route. Most guys get a graduate assistant job, and then they get their first job, and it might be a lower level. And you know, now you got your own room, and you got your own installs, you got your own teaching process, and all that stuff. Well, I kind of had all that thrown at me in the beginning, and then you know, go to the graduate assistant, and you're okay. This is what do you need done? How can I help? You know, you have a little more mature and a little more uh, experience under your belt. It definitely helps in that position. No question. Well, that that was honestly when I I first heard of you, you know, and I suppose you know most people you're famous for the the Lyman lunch on on uh, Facebook. 
But I remember you, you working at, at Tulane and, and pumping those things out. And I thought, man, that was kind of a, a genius idea. Seriously, it was about the, the first guy that I'd seen that had done it, especially with the offensive line. But being able to show, you know, quick snippets of technique, quick snippets of, you know, guys playing physical, guys playing nasty, great double teams, a lot of power. So I was excited about that. But, you know, t- talk a little bit about kind of how that, that kind of came to, to be, you know, was it, was it stuff you were kind of doing on your own time? Was it an idea that just kind of hit you over a couple of beers or something? I mean, tell us a little bit about Lyman Lunch, man. Well, you know, the idea kind of, before I really got it rolling, I got to give credit to Brian Flynn. Brian Flynn was our wide receivers coach at at Villanova, and he had a tape. Uh, Brian did a great job of, you know, giving back to the football community and and clinicking, and he had a tape called the Wide Receiver Hall of Fame. And it was basically, uh, you know, takes one route, and he had clips of Des Bryant when he was in high school. I think uh, he might have had Jerry Rice when he was in Mississippi Valley running deep. You know, if this is what you call a slant, this is the exact way it should look. You know, and it was kind of that supreme teaching tool. And You know, me being the offensive assistant, I had to help out with a lot of the film breakdown and stuff like that. And, hey, Jones, can you throw that on this tape, yada, yada, yada. Well, I always said, if you know, when I get a chance to, to be around a lot of film and have some time, I'm going to make an offensive line version of that. Here's the best, you know, deuce on the power. Okay, here's the best kick out. Here's the best three-man slide, four-man slide, you know, coaching points, knocking, you know, cleaning the pocket, all those little things, and just tag it. Well, when I got to Tulane, uh, we were running the West Coast offense via the New Orleans Saints with our head coach, Curtis Johnson. And in the offseason, just like the NFL model, uh, coaches would have projects. Okay, what is the trend in the red zone? What are people throwing? What are people running? Uh, look at 12 personnel runs, whatever it is, you know, everyone kind of got a project and, you know, you start running through tape from guys in the league. You start running through some NFL tape and you start making a project. Okay. Here's a little wrinkle to the inside zone play, you know, where they're taking the tight end and send them in the flat and then, but still kicking the defensive end out. Okay. Well, maybe we can implement some of that stuff or maybe we just throw it out, but it's, you know, get your eyes on football throughout the whole year. So, you know, I'd, I'd be rolling through a lot of that tape, and as you're looking for something specific, you come across a great play, a great block, and maybe not all five guys were uh, had the perfect block, but you saw, uh, you know, a left guard really get to the second level and throw a guy, you know, and you're like, holy cow. I, I'm going to put that. And so it was kind of a blend <laughs> of those two things. And then in the springtime uh, when our uh, offensive line coach, John McDonnell, was on the road recruiting, I'd have voluntary meetings with the O-line. We'd have it around lunchtime. So that's kind of where the, you know, line to lunch, we had a lunchtime meeting. Uh, usually it was around noon. Guys would come in and we'd watch their one-on-ones or we'd watch spring ball cut-ups or we'd watch installed tapes. And after a while, you know, three, four weeks, you're already through all the film that you got of your own guys. Well, let's bring in something else. So and every kid thinks he was going to play in the NFL, and, and that's fine. You know, they have that dream of it, and you want to facilitate that dream to the best of your ability as a coach. You know, here's a good example of what we're trying to get accomplished for this scenario, whether it be scheme, whether it be technique, whether it be aggression, so on and so forth. Well, with the rigors of academics, when those guys, you know, when kind of midterms and stuff started amping up in Tulane, we couldn't have those meetings as much as you know we wanted, but the guys still wanted those clips. Hey, coach, you know, this is really awesome stuff. 
So I'd send them in our little group chat and then ended up posting them on social media and then it kind of blew up from there. So that's kind of how it all, how it all went. That's awesome. Did you have a, a favorite team that you enjoyed watching in the NFL when you're, when you're breaking down those teams? Was it, was it other West Coast teams, or, or did you find, you know, just different offensive lines that you enjoyed watching? I'm sure you watched them all. But. Yeah, it was a blend of both. You found a guy on a line that you might not have liked the whole scheme or the whole deal. You, you know, at the time, I think the very first uh, post I did was um, uh, J.R. Swinney at, when he was with uh, Carolina. And he was accelerating to the second level, and he he took uh, or no, excuse me, he was with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was playing right guard, and he's zoning to the left, and he gets to the second level, and he double unders uh, the <laughs> linebacker from Carolina, and puts him on his back, and in the process cuts the corner, trying to fold in, making the play, and you know, so you might not have liked the whole line, but hey, that was a good clip. But <laughs> no, I don't really have favorites. I just you know line junkie i watch them all so yeah that was the first one i i just loved it because i mean i i used them all the time with with guys and it's the same kind of deal like you said hey i mean this this is what a deuce block should look like you know i think you you'd shown some of the the gallop technique you know where they're bumping the nose back up over the top and then climbing to the next level so i think you know a, a lot of kids it, it just kind of you know increased their their toolbox i i was i was never one of these guys that wanted the offensive line to, to everybody do the same thing i thought by by them being able to watch guys and maybe guys that they liked and try to emulate some of those techniques it, it just made it a lot more fun for some of those guys sure sure and just having like you just said you know tools in your toolbox here's another way of skinning the cat you know right wrong or indifferent now there was a lot of stuff that i wouldn't teach and then I didn't even, hey, guys, this is what guys are doing. But, you know, fundamentally, this is an oh, crap technique. You know, <laughs> the guy beats you. Okay, we're going to slingshot across his face and meet him on the other side. Well, it's probably not a base technique that you want to be teaching. But if you get caught <laughs> in this scenario, here's a way to kind of get yourself out of trouble. Yeah, it's been a great uh, a great tool. And then I, I started watching all the NFL films as well on uh, NFL Game Pass. So I don't have – necessarily the, the cut-ups and, and the, the clips that are, uh, you know, like the, the teams are using. But I do get the All-22 film uh, from that NFL game pass, and now they just put in, like, you can choose whether you want to see run game or whatever, a bunch of different categories, and uh, you can pick which teams and, and what from what years over the past whatever, eight or nine years. And so that's been really cool. And then me, um, you know, kind of grabbing some of those video clips and showing my kids. And, and it's cool for the kids when you do get to show them Hey, look! You're doing. We're we're doing footwork. We're doing this block exactly like the NFL guys are doing it. This is what you know. Tyron Smith is doing is is exactly what we're teaching you guys. So, kind of builds a little trust. I feel like in my kids, in me, that I'm not just you know some idiot. You know, trying to get them to do something that I want them to do. It's kind of more look at you know. They're even the the best of the best are doing some of this stuff. Sure, and it's really just goes back to biomechanics and how you guys are moving and it's a learned trait, you know, playing offensive line is all learned um, skills. So yeah, anyone that plays the position can learn a little bit different with the technique and hand placement, half placement and hips and, you know, how to, how to win the block. And I think it's a little more uh, widespread as well. Cause like you said, if, if you want to know something, you can easily get on Google, Google something or get on your, uh, get on a Facebook page and, and search through it. And, and find something. Whereas when I was coming up through middle school, through high school, it was like, if you didn't know it from your high school coach, I mean, then, then you probably just didn't know it. 
until you were hopefully lucky enough to be in front of someone that did know football? Without a doubt. I mean, we live in an information age. The amount that is given to uh, these young athletes, young coaches, older coaches, anyone, I mean, at the in your pocket, you have one of the most powerful machines there is, and it's your phone, and you can resource about all the information there is out there. Um, I just think right now, in this day and age, there's a lot more out there. And as coaches and as players, you got to disseminate between the stuff, like you said, you know, that you want to teach, that you're knowledgeable about. You're not just showing them, okay, here's what guys are doing, and then you don't have the background or the knowledge in which to teach with it. You know, you, you have more of that going on right now than ever before. So I think it is a great time, you know, to have resources and, and be able to get online and that. But I'm still from the old school of go out and clinic. Go out and, yeah. you know, go if you're a player, go to, work, go to a camp and you might learn something else. Um, you know, go, go to a – as a coach, keep going to clinics. I know there's online clinics, and now there's – I would consider these podcasts you know, clinics in, in terms of a lot of stuff and philosophy, you know, blocking schemes, even though it's not a person in front of you. So, uh, you know, I would encourage everyone to go out there and still continue learning because once you stop learning, it's, it, you're dead in the water. Totally agree. If, Coach, have you ever gone to the, uh, the cool clinic? I have, yes. Yeah, I, I go almost every year. Really? Yes. That's awesome. I, I actually, to... yeah, I actually have all the. They got the, you know, they sell the DVDs after every year. And um, I actually, uh, when I was at Villanova, I purchased all the DVDs back to two thousand to nineteen ninety six. Wow! So yeah, I bought the full <laughs> clinic collection. So, and I'd, be, I'd lie to you if I told you I've watched them all, but I've watched it. You know, I watch all the guys that I, you know, really like to listen to. You know, the Alex Gibbs. Yep. Callahan's and Howard Mudd and all that, but you know, it's it's probably a thousand hours worth of worth of clinic tape. So, it's a lot of a lot of time. Still not yeah. through it all. But. That's right. Well, and then I was gonna say, and and I don't have any of it, but I know there's definitely a lot of black market uh, of that video going around. I know I've seen clips of it before, but um, it, it looks like I mean, an awesome, awesome clinic to be. That's, I think that's probably the goal for any high school offensive line coaches is make the pilgrimage uh, up to the cool clinic. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, we used a lot of those videos, too, when I was at uh, Augustana. I got to coach tight ends in, in the spring. I'd moved from receivers just because, you know, like you said, hey, I, w- I want to, you know, kind of broaden my horizons, figure out some more of these, these blocking schemes. Well, then the, the new offensive line coach they also hired from within, and he was a, a linebacker guy and then was a tight end guy and and he was kind of going through the same thing so it was really cool for me to have three or four months with you know a brand new offensive line coach and I'm a brand new tight ends coach and that's what we do he'd say hey eight o'clock we're throwing up this video and we're going to break it down and say do we like this technique or don't we like this technique and I thought that was really really fun but we had a lot of those cool clinic videos to do that off of yeah and they're a great resource you know and and it's uh, outstanding that, you know, Coach McNally and Coach Wiley still put it on. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to attend every year. Coach, I'm curious. I know you guys run – you do run power and, and obviously with a lot of other stuff. But um, uh, there's been a lot on social media right now about, uh, uh, you know, the, the gallop technique, even with like a tackle on the tight end. I want to say I saw 
one of LSU's tight ends coach or, or something using it. Uh, I'm kind of curious. I, I've never used it with the tackle and tight end. We've always just tried to get vertical movement uh, with, with eyes on the backside linebacker. Only time we've ever used it was the head up nose if we're working that backside linebacker on like one back power. So I, I was kind of curious, do you use that at all with your tackles and tight ends um, with that gallop technique with the head up four? No, we, we don't. We don't. Okay. No, we're, we're no, we'll go half bench with the tackle and we'll go full down block with the tight end. And generally when we get those kind of looks, it's, it's going to be a hair wider. It all depends on the scheme in which we're in. Sure. It's really hard to knock a four to the opposite a gap and still run a gap power. <laughs> you know, we'll, if we know we're going to get a lot of that, you know, we'll, we'll try to get into, you know, maybe a little bit of a wider aiming point in terms of our power play, you know, a C gap to expand or get into a different gap scheme that we can take advantage of leverage of how they align. Okay. That, that's, that's kind of how we do it. But like I said, I, I'd seen some other teams, uh, you know, do that, do the, the gallop and the throw over. But um, I was never a fan of, of really of any of it. Uh, and then I started working it with my, with my center and my, and my guard when they got to get to that backside linebacker on, like I said, on, on one back power and, um, it started really helping out our guards. So, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. And I picked that up completely from, uh, from somewhere, either you, uh, YouTube or, or Twitter or Facebook. I'm not sure. I can't remember which, but uh, it was pretty cool to, to learn that and down into that hip. Sure. And I, I think that, you know, if we get in the power conversation, there's kind of two schools of thought of vertical displacement versus lateral displacement. You know, I think the gallop, uh, there, and there's really two kind of gallops. You can take a lateral lead step with your gallop and kind of get high on the hip to really knock it and feed it over into the opposite gap. You know, that, that's something I would consider a lateral displacement. You know, a guard uh, using a single under or a fish hook to kind of throw that, you know, once that gallop's fed into the three technique into the, the guard, he can now put it in the A gap. And you're kind of forcing guys to play gaps, but the you know the benefit of that is you know that guy's not supposed to be in that gap so now the defense is misaligned so you're getting lateral movement and then like you said earlier there's vertical displacement a lot of guys will try to um you can call it gallop and almost shuffle square so that they can go into a high leg double team onto a three technique and not necessarily overlap their feet and you know be able to get vertical displacement on the three technique you know for vertical movement you know it's great for <laughs> Uh, you know, really being physical, really being nasty, really, you know, kind of put some body blows onto a three technique. But, you know, if you got a slant front team, it might not be as great. So there's multiple, multiple ways of doing it. Coach, what's your, what's your school of thought on the, on the gap? I'm interested to hear from you. Are you a lateral guy? Or are you a vertical guy? Um, we teach both, to be dead honest with you. And it kind of goes off of, you know, the defenses that we play that week. Um, I've always been a vertical guy, um, but in this conference that we're in right now, we do see so much lateral movement mm -hmm. that, you know, if we try to bury into a three and get that real, you know, you know, solid shoulder square and really try driving that three, nine times out of ten in this league, that three is going to either be a C-gap player or an A-gap player. Um, very rarely do they just line up and play gaps. So we kind of have to be a little more on level one longer, tempo our feet longer, and kind of be able to pass stuff off as we go through our tracks. 
Um, and that's just the nature of the defenses that you're going to see. If you saw a lot of static front defense, well, and you really want to put a body blow onto that three technique all game, well, yeah, I, I love the vertical double team. You got, you know, four hands, two shoulders, a high leg, and you're driving on that thing the whole time. You know, it's that it takes a lot, and it's hard to you know hold up that position for all four quarters in terms of that. You know, but the the lateral double team. You know, there is a lot of benefits into the gallop, into the hip, you know, when the guards, you know, fighting half that pressure, you could really throw a guy. You can get some movement because, you know, let's just say the three techniques fighting into the guard or even the head up two is where it really happens. Like you said earlier yeah. on the zero nose versus the odd, when you have a lot of body presence by the man that's fording them, fighting him with vertical force. He can't fight against lateral force. You can't, you know, you can't fight two fights. So as that three technique or that two is fighting into the guard, he can't defend his hip from a tackle throwing his shoulder right into that low part of the hip and knocking them into the other gap. And you can see somewhere it becomes very violent. And they're almost behind the gap hinge of the backside tackle that they're thrown, yeah. you know, that displaced. And the benefit of that is once that tackle is displaced, that three technique, he's now vertical to that linebacker with square shoulders. He could just collect it. You know, he's not turning his shoulders, having to go to the backside number, making him run over the hump. He's kind of in perfect position that, you know, collect that, that backside will or if you're running weak side power, the mic or Sam, however you guys, you know, form use your formations to get there. You know, he's in a very good anatomical position with his hips to be able to fight that linebacker at the second level. That's fun. We had a camp, we had a camp uh, just these last two days. It's called the Eastern Oklahoma Offensive Line Defense Line Camp that I worked in, and it was really cool just seeing, you know, there's whatever many eight different offensive line coaches working it and maybe two or three different gap doubles that they were working, like you said, you know, vertical or, or a, I don't know if you call it horizontal, but whatever, right, side to side. And so um, – Yeah, lateral. Lateral, lateral. And so, and so it was cool being able to see that and, and see how the different coaches were coaching uh, – they're double teams, and then and then even uh, a lot of them with zone. I mean, there's probably eight different coaches. There's probably four different uh, ways they were stepping on their inside zone. So all of that was, was was really interesting to me and really cool to see. Just you know how many obviously, like you said, just a thousand different ways to do things. Yeah, it's and it's always great to learn from other people. I mean, it's funny you say that. I was at the offense defensive line camp in uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana, on the campus of Nickel State, and I wasn't able to work it but I was there clinicking with all the other offensive line coaches. Um, Lee Roussel, uh, Joseph Venus, Mark Malai, Kevin's brother was there. Um, Kyle Skirsky, the offense coordinator at Millsaps. And we clinic for three days and we, we all do the same stuff uh, in terms of scheme. And almost each one of us have a different coaching point or a different way of actually doing it, you know, and it's great. Uh, I steal stuff from them they steal stuff from me and you know we try to keep that tradition going every year but yeah there's there's a lot of different ways but it's always good to hear how other guys are doing it turning on mm -hmm. the film seeing how successful they are because there's nothing worse and i'd say that it happened over the weekend but there's nothing worse than going to a clinic and a guy talks about okay on the gallop technique we're going to be one two three four and then we're going to hit on the fifth step okay one two three four hit on the fifth step and then all of a sudden they turn the film on and they're hitting on the second step. And they're going, <laughs> well, you just emphasized five steps. You know, yeah, exactly what, you, right. what you're hearing isn't necessarily what you're seeing on the tape or whatever it is. Sure. You know, that's just an example. But, um, 
you know, you, you want to actually see what's being said and that there's carryover. And then, you know, you, sometimes you can sell a guy and using this technique over something you've done for 10 or 15 years in your coaching career. <laughs> he teed it up for you, Harper. I was going to say, I mean, Har- Harper always talks about, you know, the, the guys that, that clinic and they, they'll teach the, the Gallup technique and then they show the, the Dallas Cowboys doing it. And you're like, yeah, hey, the, the Cowboys are really good at that Gallup technique. Can we, can, we watch sure. some of your, can we watch some of your film of you guys doing that? <laughs> Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, you want to see what's being said, translate from indie to group, you know, and then from group to team. And then from team to Saturdays, Fridays, or Sundays, you know. So obviously the you know the deuce blocks uh, all the all the gap doubles to backside are, are for me at least uh, when we run a lot of gap scheme it's extremely important you know we, we work it we work it a bunch so uh, I'm assuming you do as well what are some of your best drills that you use for that that double team or maybe what's your your favorite uh, use are, are you using a um, you know pan sled or are you doing it live or you know what, what are you doing to get good at those double teams and those you know like well, you said, definitely multiple double teams. Sure. Yeah, we're definitely – it all starts with the post of the double, which is our inside man, the man that's covered. So it would be a guard with a three technique or, or a two or, you know, uh, maybe even a, a two-eye that you're bringing the tackle down with. You know, those are – he starts it all. He is the guy that's going to give the tackle and start the play. He's going to give him the whole leverage, okay? He's the one that's going to post him up. He's going to set him up for the knockout. So uh, in terms of how we um, drill that, we go to the crawler sled day one, hmm. and we'll do it. Um, we'll do it from almost like a six-point explode, but just with our shoulder, okay, and going to like a half, what I call a half power. It's not necessarily a flipper, but it's more of a shoulder puncture. And we'll yeah. do that from our knees. We'll do that, and we'll do that from a two-point stance. We'll go into a fit and show that how our body should go once we – and a lot of that stuff, guys, to be honest with you, I like to take the helmet off when we do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of times head coaches will come around and say, why do these guys not have their helmets? Well, it's a, kind of a safety b- blanket. Guys that want to hit the crawler and, you know, lead in or lead in with their head, the head shouldn't be in it. The mm-hmm. shoulder should be in it. The front part of the pec should be in it. You know, bringing the lift of the arm should be in it. So a lot of these guys, a lot of the training methods that I'll do, a lot of times we'll, we'll take the helmet off first so that you don't have a false sense of security. You know when you don't have a helmet on. <laughs> okay, I didn't play college football. I played college rugby. And when I tackled a guy, I knew day one that I didn't have a helmet on. You know, that's why my nose goes on the side of my face because day one I tried to tackle like I did when I was in high school playing football and, you know, broke my nose, shattered it, and okay, here we go. So... <laughs> Um, so we'll do that. We'll get on. I think that's, it's one of the oldest pieces of equipment and one of the best, you know, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. So we'll do that. And we'll get into the fit and then we'll go from a three point stance or a two point stance, depending on say we're in the nickel run and we're going to all be in two point stance. We're running one back power, um, on like a third medium, you know, so we, we got to be able to operate out of multiple different stances and, and, you know, body positions. What did you call so the, the shoulder? Starts. What did you call the shoulder puncture, Coach? Because that's kind of what I've taught in recent years, and and you don't hear that a whole lot. It's either like straight flipper, or you hear a lot of hand, but I, I don't hear a whole lot of of shoulder. And so, what did you call that? The shoulder puncture. Puncture. Yeah, we're trying to take our front deltoid. If you ever watch a boxer box dirty, 
and he kind of throws that shoulder into the guy's chin or into his eye. It's almost like that. You are actually leading with the, your front part of your delt and your peck. Mm. Okay. As that makes contact, the tip of your pad, of course, you have shoulder pads on. As that contact comes, you have a curvature of the spine, a banana spine. You're rolling your hips through. And then the hand is just giving you stability and a bigger surface to control that block. You don't want it to just be the shoulder. It could slip off. You can misfire and lunge. You need a bigger surface. And that's why the, you know, old school, I guess you would call flipper or, you know, a half triangle block with the elbow of that bringer in kind of just gives surface to maintain the block. You know, we will even go into a shoulder puncture into what we call half bench, which is basically, you know, now we've taken our hand and we've fired a, a single under. But we started it with that initial violent shoulder puncture and then brought our hand in to, you know, stabilize the block, especially if we're trying to laterally displace the defense. If I got my hand on there as opposed to just my forearm, my bicep, the backside of my hand, I don't have – I don't have grip there. Right. I have a lot of surface, but I can't necessarily control you if you get out of hand. Okay. I can I can put a lot of violence to you. I can really knock you back, but I can't necessarily control where you're going by grip strength, by tucking my elbow, by you know using my lats, all that stuff. So if we have a team that's a little more of a grabber, you know they're trying to keep us up off the double. When you shoulder puncture, he can still grab you and make it hard for you to get off the linebacker. So we want to create, once we shoulder puncture, create length with a single, you know, a one-on bench, basically. If we're trying to vertically displace it and they're grabbing it, or we can throw it over if we're knocking it with a gallop by the technique and try to throw it in the A-gap. So those are kind of our two main, I know it's two different kind of uh, upper body placements for the post of the double, but you know, they're kind of used in a, in a toolbox in terms of what kind of defensive lineman you're seeing and also what kind of double team are we going to do? Are we going to vertically replace this guy? Are we going to try to make him play in the A-gap when he doesn't want to be? Defense is not gap sound. They're missing a guy. That's where the ball should go. So when you do use a – you know, you've got a two technique and you've decided to go lateral displacement with it. Is your guard uh, – is he going to go two hands? Is he going to – double both hands and give a torque double or, is he, under, is he yeah, or just a, like a lift yes yes okay. he will um he's still going to take a gap step to his inside you know uh, anytime you got a head up technique you know the first thing i teach my deep my offensive line is defenses have to gap sound okay and right. there, there's very limited limited amount of defensive coaches that teach guys to gap um and that's really at upper upper levels you know, mm -hmm. most guys have a responsibility. Now, it could be a post-play responsibility of, okay, zone two, I'm in this gap. Zone away, I'm in this gap. The linebacker's got to make me right, so on and so forth. But when you see it, too, he's got to either play the A gap or the B gap, one or the other, okay? So when you take your gap step, if it comes with you, great. Now you're going to really be able to throw it because that tax is going to come down on the hip and knock it over. If it wants to go a little bit off of you, that's fine. Two can become one, and one can become two. So as I step to my gap, I'm trying to bring both hands in, but I'm not going to bring my play side hand in there if there's no surface there. I'm not mm. going to turn my shoulders to come get you back, if that makes sense. Right, you're just going to get vertical so, and it turns into one shoulder? I mean, if he slants outside? If he slants outside, yes. It, 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 that tackle should be trying to knock it over, but then he has to take it over. If that right. thing wants to play you know, hard as like a four-eye or – you know, a slanting away B-gap player. But to get to your question, 
we will use a two-hand uppercut. You know, uh, some call it a double under. You know, we're going to come un- trying to come underneath the shoulder pads and lift him up, so he's fire- fighting not only you know near pressure of me fighting against him, but he's also lifting pressure. I'm trying to unlock his ankles, knees, and hips while the tackle comes from the side and knocks his hip over. You know, if you're standing up and someone comes ear holes you or hits you in the ribs or hits you in the hips, it's really hard to fight against a lateral pressure, especially yeah. when you're pushing against something. You know, like I said earlier, you can't fight against two different forces. So what, uh, you know, so my big one is, and, and again, that's what we use with our center, but the, always the thing I'm worried about, and maybe not as much with the center, but, but if I decide to do it with the two technique is, uh, now the, you know, we, we go with the double, we've still got our eyes inside. Have you had any problems coming off on, on a linebacker that that's plugging inside of them? No, no. I mean, the tackle is, the tackle's aiming point and landmark is trying to put that two in the A gap. I got So you. even when that linebacker comes, that tackle is, we may reduce everything on level one. We may just catch <laughs> it. We may not ever get to level two, but my eyes are in my gap. My hand, play side hand would be free if he's fighting away from me. If that guy is blitzing a gap, then that two needs to be a B gap player unless they're putting two in a gap. Right, which they don't. (laughs) They mess up two. Well, they make misassignments, you know, uh, same as we do. But that's not necessarily the the, uh, protocol for that defense. So when we step there and the two becomes a three or the two becomes a B gap player, if you will, my eyes, hips, and hands are already in that gap. As long as I don't take my play side hand when it goes away from me, the two technique goes away from me. As long as I don't take that play side hand in with it and bury it in, I'll always have an, a play side gap free hand and be able to at least hold it on level one, if not be able to fire and strike through level two. And that's usually when the big runs come anyway. When you get guys trying to run through a gap, those, those linebackers get ejected pretty quickly. Yeah. You get some pretty big creases on those. Without a doubt. They get caught on one foot. You know, they're running, so their stride is longer. You know, if, you, if you're really tempo on your feet, you have a base, you have a pyramid from your lower body up to your head, you should be in an anatomically better position than they are. If your strike happens to land when they got one foot in the air, they need to go. <laughs> Love it. Coach, uh, all right, the other million-dollar question, pin pull or wide zone? We're pin and pull. Uh, we are pinnacle here because we do run a toss crack family. It kind of fits into what we're doing on the perimeter. Um, so yeah, we are we are pinnacle here, I, which I've ran both. Um, just in my career, I've been a little more successful with the pinnacle play. Uh, I think you gain leverage. You know, it's the old uh, almost a Vince Lombardi Packer sweep. You know, a seal here, a seal here, run the ball in the alley. You know, kids guys not having to necessarily I, I think it, let me put it like this the mm-hmm. wide zone I think needs to be one of your primary schemes if you are going to be, if you're going to ride the run the wide zone you know say you have two schemes whether it's inside zone and power and your auxiliaries are one back or RPO or a pin and pull that's fine you can make do with all all those things whether it be a, a jet sweep something like that with the outside zone it kind of goes into its own world you know, you have to really rep those combos. It has to be a major. If you look at the teams that run the wide zone really well at all levels, that's what they do. And they might pair it with power. They might pair it with duo, you know, and power, no pull play. Um, they don't do much else than that. You know, they get really good and really sharpen the sword on the wide zone play because it takes a lot of work. It's not necessarily a, 
it is a collect all scheme, but it's not it's not necessarily a uh, easy scheme to master when you get big guys moving away, you know, and, and taking five six steps and then having contact. You know, it's it's a tough one to master, but the teams that do it do it very very well. Coach, do you guys run? Do you run any duo? Uh, it's kind of been something we've looked to, but to me, it's almost looks like inside zone. I mean. I guess it'd be duo right. Duo right to me just looks like inside zone left sealing with the fullback. Sure. I'm sure it's it's got little differences, but that's kind of been my argument the past year or two, you know, has kind of been like, we're going to teach another thing, but it looked exactly like inside zone the other way. So uh, are you guys using that? We are. We do. We do use duo. That is one of our uh, major run schemes. Yes. Uh, it's, it has, it's like anything. Yeah. Uh, has its strengths and its weaknesses. You're going to get vertical displacement on the double team. The uh, the uh, way the ball hits is just as fast as power. It's not as kind of um, you know slow to fast through like inside zone. Um, we are an under center. You know we're a West Coast uh, NFL style offense, so we're going to get under center and we're going to use what we call jab footwork. So the quarterback's going to reverse out of the pocket. If they're reading the mesh, reading how, you know, it drops up by the tailback, they kick out by the fullback. It's going to, the front side should look very similar to the power play. Mm-hmm. You know, guys get out of gaps. Guys have to be in a, basically a home alignment right now. Uh, the way we run the play is the read is on the Mike linebacker. Uh, so we'll take the double team from the center and the guard to the will linebacker. Generally, the back side is always the open side. The call side is usually a tight end fullback, usually a 12 personnel or 21, whatever you teach for your end and Sam combination on power. You can carry over those schemes, same as in terms of the duo play. So whether it's a nine technique and you have the tight end easy out and this fullback isolates the Sam, whether you gap it all down, whatever, you know, however you teach that part they're still same as principles in the duo play you still got basically your deuce block on the front side but now it's not a long combo it's a short combo Mm -hmm. so that vertical displacement is really the double team that you're looking for you want it to be an a gap to expand run sometimes the will gets way over the top just like they do on the power play and you have the cutback but really you get two double teams right at the point of attack it's a physical not much thinking play um, it's on you right now. The speed of the back is pressing a gap right now, just like a downhill power play. Um, so it is different. I've heard in the landmarks, I shouldn't say landmarks in the identification of the defense. Mm-hmm. It is the same as inside zone for the five line. I will, I will give you that <laughs> it's a gaps play. So just like you call 42 power or 36 power, everyone's got their numbers for power, whatever you call power, right. Everyone is a gaps play. You gap back, so you have the gap to your left, and your you know just initial base rules. No different than duo to the right. Everyone has responsibility to the gap to their left, and then depending on what you do with your tight end and your fullback. So it, it's a great play in one back. You know the same looks that you want to run power. You know one back power to. You can run the duo play. It's a physical, violent, nasty attitude play. All those things that line coaches love. Um, Again, you know, it's a play that you're looking to get major double teams on, you know. So, I, I, you're more welcome to come here and uh, we can talk it up. Talk <laughs> I, it I'd, up. I'd love to. Um, do you guys – so, do you have a tag or, or call it something different when it is 
one back uh, duo as as opposed to two back duo? We do. Our number system gives us that. You know, okay. whether it's two back or one back, no different than the number system we use for power. Okay. You know? Yeah. So it's just it's really the same thing. This, I, we I've, just I've, won't I've, do as much. We won't do as much lateral displacement double teams because really, if you're trying to flood the ball in the a gap, now it's not bad, but. If you're trying to flood the ball in the A gap, you don't want to knock the three technique in the A gap. Sure. You, know, you want it downhill <laughs> yeah. right now. And especially for a team that overplays their Mike alignment to mm-hmm. the tight end wing or to the tight end fullback when he's stacking the three technique or even plus to like a 41 or a 50 linebacker spot. If he has that A gap by assignment, but he's overplaying it because you are running the power play and we're pulling over there and the tight end and wing are over there, so that's a strong side. He starts cheating in his alignment. Well, that thing hits in the A-gap right now. Defenses, like I said earlier, have to be gap sound. Well, it's one of those things where you have to immediately be gap sound. you got to be near alignment-wise the gap that you are supposed to have right now. And it's on you very, very fast. You know, I've seen it plenty of times where the Sam is pressed outside the wing and the mic is stacked over the three technique or even slightly wider. The will's in a normal 30 alignment backside. And that thing splits cover four safeties because they're coming down to read the run and they want to fit to the tight end side. And that thing just goes right in the A-gap right now. And any time a running back can run a straight line, making his cut after the line of scrimmage, you have a chance for some really good explosive runs. Uh, I've, I've always loved the play. Three, four as well. You guys just, it's, it's not as good depending on you want to build the formation. You may want to be in 12 personnel, two by two, a long set like a solo set, so that way your tight ends are just going to base the Sam and Will walked up on the line. Really, you're running the play to get two double teams, duo, you know, dose, uh, two double teams. Well, just by alignments, especially when you start playing the odd eyes with the four eyes instead of the true fours or even five techniques that you see in the three-four defense, it does create challenges in terms of where you want that ball to go. You know, I think there's other plays that may be a little more advantageous to that, you know, even the one-back power play. Sure. I like I liked a lot of – it seemed to me that you watch a lot of the, the duo teams too. You could get – you know, you, you short motion the, the Z receiver and you could get some really good bounce looks too. It's where, I mean, it's, it's, it's downhill, it's downhill, and if you had a really good tailback, he could bounce that thing out the front door and now you're one-on-one with the corner and you'd see some explosive runs with that too. So I thought – you know, hard plug-in teams, you could get some really nice looks off that as well. Yeah, and especially, I mean, an offensive line coach's ideal world is everyone's on level one. If everyone's on level one and we can put a hand on them right now, we got five solo blocks. There's no, uh, there's yeah. no uh, who are we going to block or how are we going uh, to exchange this look? If we can get on you right now, everyone's got a hat on a hat, and there it goes. It bounces. The ball's always going to go where the defense isn't. So. Those are awesome plays. You get those hard-charging, like you said, those hard-charging linebackers. Well, then they become on level one. we got a hat on a hat on everybody. And whether where they're not, which is usually a safety fit or a corner fit if you're in slot, that's where that ball ends up going. And those bouncing, you know, especially if you got a big back, there's not a lot of corners or safeties in the league that want to tackle a big guy all game long. Not that they're afraid. It's just it's a, a hard challenge for them to do all day and be able to defend against play action behind them. That was going to be the other thing I was going to ask you, Coach. We've re- we've really never had anybody on here talk about, like, you know, pr- principles of, of play action protection. You know, maybe what, what are some of your favorite play action protections? And then 
what are some of the, the techniques and rules that you're giving your offensive linemen? Because I think, honestly, it's, it's, it almost becomes a lost art these days because everybody's just RPO-driven. Sure. Uh, my favorite one's called the play and don't tell us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a good dead, one. I'm being dead so, – I mean, that we, there's times that we're going to throw, you know, um, uh, a post and a dig against a single high safety, and we're going to run the dual play. And we don't even know it, you know. We have no clue that that thing's coming in. We get the duo tag, and we're going at it and being aggressive, being aggressive, being aggressive. And it's the quarterback's job to get the ball out. Um, not to say that we do that all the time. Um, you know, we will run the one-back power play and then throw slants behind, you know, uh, the backside backer. He gets over on the top on the pole. Well, he doesn't have that, that window there. Um, I do like a little bit more of the play-action game in terms of quick game stuff. Mm-hmm. And that it's not necessarily RPO. We're we're know that the ball's going down the field. We're going to try to sell the run as much as we can. Um, you know the what we call dollies, but the naked game. You know when you're going to sell zone or you're going to sell power, and then you're going to naked back out. I think those have a lot of uh, really good opportunities to get your quarterback off of a traditional launch point and able to pass the ball. Those are generally O line friendly. You may have one or two guys that really have key blocks and everything else is just getting a chance to take a shot on a guy and be nasty and physical knowing that, you know, the ball is going to be when it's thrown, you know, a good uh, location away from you. But in terms of like jump setting and all that stuff, it's, you know, flashing hands, keeping a low hat, don't get over involved into the block. You want to make the first two steps look like the run, but never jeopardize, you know, body position for where the launch point is going to be. I think, you know, our guys, whoever it is, knowing where exactly where that quarterback's going to be setting up. Well, you know what? It might be a backside tackle on a duo player. It might be a backside tackle on a one, you know, a power play action where, hey, listen, I can't really show a gap hinge or I can't really go attack. He's a little bit wider. I may have to just pass set this thing. Yeah. A lot of times you're trying to influence the front side in terms of underneath coverage more than anything else. So as long as that front side sets the double team, it looks like low hat, those linebackers step up a little bit, you're getting what you want out of it. But you never want to jeopardize body position for the look of the play, if you will. When we went down to Rice, we picked up um, – I don't remember. It was either Widow or Venom. I'm not sure which one they, it was. But it was, uh, you know, tailback out on power pass and keep the fullback in. I thought that was really cool. It's something that, uh, you know, as an offensive line coach, I haven't looked at much play action. Uh, but but I thought that was a pretty cool little change up uh, to get to, to to throw off of it. And the other thing that, that kind of blew my mind was, you know, it came from Houston where it was three numbers and that was the play uh, into – uh, we went down to Rice, and it was, you know, 18 different words uh, uh, in one play, you know, and maybe they had sure. a, a kill and an alert and had three plays in one. And so, uh, you know, that, that was uh, something to get used to, I think. And, and I was kind of curious, when you first got around it, was, was it not an overload, but was it like, oh, wow, are they really – is it this many tags and calls? Or was it something that you were already kind of aware of before getting into it? Well, it's funny that you talked about rice. Uh, I was just having uh, some Houston barbecue with Billy Best, tight ends coach there, and he actually showed up wearing the Run the Power t-shirt. So there's your little plug there, guys. <laughs> Hell yeah. He showed up and we started talking ball, and I said, actually, it's that front right there that's on the – you know, we're talking about the over front and all that. <laughs> he looked down and started laughing. Great guy there. But when I first got around the West Coast offense, it, it was a lot of verbiage. It was. 
and there's kind of two schools of thought: either tell everybody what to do, or you teach schemes and kind of make it, you know, rules based. Um, you know, you, you can have a million tags to uh, formation var- variations, whether it be nasty, close, snug. You know, and, and you start just adding words, but it, it gives everyone accountability to knowing exactly where they're supposed to be. You just learn the term or the system, and that's it. And then there's, you know, shortening the term or using more terms. You know, making another name for this is the way we're going to block the front side of power. Okay, instead of 42 power, it's 42 punch, or 42 post, or however your, you know, little variation is. Okay, now you learn this concept instead of having to have. Okay, this is power base lead. You know, now that one word turned into three words. So there's kind of uh, different schools. I, I'm a little more of the uh, teach the concept, teach rules. Don't need a ton, but I could definitely see where you know if you have these guys flow. Definitely in the NFL system, you might have a guy off a of free agency and he needs to line up and run a concept. But if you're saying Z close, Z dig, there you go. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a, he, he can play pretty quick, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I've, been, I've been around a bunch of them, so it's it's you know uh, it's kind of whatever the coordinator wants. You leave that room coaching it, you know, your tail off. I just I love that clip of uh, of Gruden trying to tell Chris Sims the play like six different times, and he just he just can't spit it out, and he's all nervous and scared at that point. To me, I'm just like, man. <laughs> That's just like brain damage to me, trying to remember all that stuff. Oh, sure. And then you watch a Gruden clip with uh, Brett Favre on the, the uh, yeah. you know, Gruden QB camp, and he was able to spit stuff out because he ran it for you know X number of years. He's, yeah, know, he's he, calling out all the plays and knows the signals and the hand signals. That was cool. And all the variations of it and all that stuff, yeah. So it's one of those, it's one of those fun – it's a system. Anytime you're in a system offense, you're not just in a collection of plays. What I mean by that, everything kind of builds off. If you learn a tag, there's weed may mean fullback is the is responsible for number five play side. What if you have a numbering system? Whatever mm-hmm. it is, well, you can use lead on the power play. You can use lead. Say you're running a three polar power play. You can run it on an inside zone play to the weak side. You can run it in an ISO uh, with two fullbacks going to the isolation side. Whatever you. Uh, give and as coaches, you know, we make up these terminologies as long as it's consistent in the the system of what that term means, and you can describe it. You can have even a glossary in your playbook. Here's what this tag means. Then it's easier for guys to learn all those things. When you just say, okay, uh, here's this, and it's kind of like that, and it's sort of like this, and it's you know we're running the power <laughs> play, but on this one tackle, you don't get pins, you come down. Well. It's, it's, you can't define it, then you can't really teach it well. Well, Coach, I, I would say, you know, one thing that I would think would be really cool about living, living where you are and, and being a coach there is, is you're, not, you're not having to travel very far to find uh, some pretty freak athletes. I'm sure, um, you know, you're just going down to, to Jack Yates, you probably got about as many athletes as, as we do in Oklahoma. So uh, it's got to be cool to be able to not go very far out of your backyard and find, you know, a, a, a whatever, a ton of, of athletes around. Without a doubt. I mean, the state of Texas, uh, football is king. You know, there's a reason why they write books and, and make movies about it. Um, it's my first time, you know, first uh, annual calendar year that I've worked here. I got hired last June and it's June now. So 
uh, just in, you know, this one year of seeing Texas football, it's, it's shocked me on how, and it's shocked me on how well the coaches are as well too. I mean, it's, you have so many just knowledgeable, great coaches that are here in this area and here in the state of Texas, but no, you don't have to go far. And they actually put this Chicago kid in East Texas. So uh, <laughs> I have, yeah, I have that area. Don't get me wrong. You know, anywhere there's an offensive lineman, I'll go out and, and evaluate and all that stuff. But they put me in, uh, they put me in the East Texas. So East I'm going to have to buy my first pair. That's a different yeah, place over there. Yeah, pair of cowboy boots. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's... Now there's some great talent out there. Too. Oh, they're and full it, of you know, it's a, Full of it. It's a working man's recruiting area, too, because, you know, you don't have the influx when guys come from out of state to recruit the state of Texas. They go to, you know, the three main spots and they work that area. Um, you don't get a lot of guys in the crossroads and the in-betweens and all that stuff. So, you know, you can find – not to say that they're sleepers anymore these days. Everyone's got huddle and all these other programs that kind of come out. But you can definitely find a kid before others see it earlier in their career um, just by, you know, working your area. No, that's – I would just – it's funny because uh, those those Texas guys are, are really particular about where you say they're from Texas. I remember we were going down to play Capel uh, in Texas. And we had a coach that was from uh, – I can't remember, L.D. Bell or, or somewhere – and uh, and moved. Uh, where was Craver from? Walls. Do you remember? He went to LD Bell. Yep. Yeah, LD Bell, and, and him saying where he was from or where he moved to, and then uh, there was like a thirty-minute argument whether he lived in Dallas or whether he lived in East Texas, and it was a real. <laughs> we had to get the map out on the phone, and he had to show everyone, no, this is East Texas, and this is Dallas, and there's nothing alike, and it's just really funny how those guys get they get really, sure. really into it. Oh, yeah. It's like calling a guy from the south side of Chicago a north sider. Hey, those are fighting words, man. He ain't messing with that, you know. Guys got pride of where they come from, and they should. But, yeah, that's exactly everyone's right. Got their little, uh, everyone's got their little quirks about that stuff, especially in such a big landmass of Texas. You know, you're going to have uh, local pride just as much as you're going to have state pride. So, Coach, the, the the question I always got to ask the offensive line guys, too, you know, being from Chicago, you got Chicago-style pizza, all the uh, the bratwurst and stuff up there. How's it been having to change your diet a little bit heading south? I mean, heck, you went to, to Tulane, you're in the middle of Creole, and now you're in, in Houston, kind of the same. Talk a little bit about the food, man. Yeah, you don't get big by starving yourself, so uh, <laughs> I've tried it all. The Creole food, the boudin, the, the uh, jambalaya. And and I'm, you know, decent cook. I like to cook at home. I don't like to, you know, order out all that much. So I try to do as much. Uh, I'll do some, you know, I'll, I'll do deep dish at the house. I just had the guys over from AFCA, uh, Jerome Brown and Alex Finch, who came down here a couple weeks ago. And yeah, uh, I, I promised them if they came in the area, I'd make them a little Chicago-style deep dish. and. Jerome actually owns the uh, the, re the household record of having three slices. Uh, and these are no joke now. They'll put you down. Um, <laughs> Harper, that sounds like a know, challenge, I, dude. Yeah, you guys come through. Like I'm I said it before, I'm a man of my word. Uh, <laughs> I got the dough ready. But, uh, you know, the barbecue's good. You know, my wife and I met in Kansas City when I was at Avila. So, you know, I had KC barbecue, and now the conversation goes, which one's better? And I won't answer that. <laughs> and uh, you know the Philly cheesesteaks out of Villanova. You got uh, 
soul food in Jackson, Mississippi. You know, you got good fried chicken. You got good uh, greens. You got, you know, country style food. Uh, I loved it. That was different for me, you know, so I try it all. I ain't afraid. Yeah. Don't go to uh, Dan, Dan the Boudin man over by a cream burger. We we tried the, tried his Boudin one time. He was selling it off the street. I don't think it was very good. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't. Well, smart. that that is like I said. I go to that offense defensive line camp every year in Thibodeau, and I drive down I ten. And every time, as soon as I get to Lafayette, I stop at Billy's Boudin every single time. They got a Boudin bowl that's got jalapeno cheese stuffed in the middle. Oof. Oh change your life <laughs> <laughs> i'm on it i love it well coach uh you know been going for about an hour so so kind of the last question i i try to ask everybody is um you watch a lot of film you watch a lot of other offensive lines so what's some things that another offensive line would be doing uh, that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach I, i'd like to see uniformity uh whether it be stance alignment um and also what a guy does when he has nothing to do, okay? You, you're, you got a three-man rush. Where's his eyes? Can you see his eye target? Does he have airplane hands or does he have a drag hand where threat would be coming to and a hand ready to where his, his eye target's going to? How does he go finish? How does he go clean the pocket? How does he run downfield? What does he do when the whistle starts to blow? Those type of things because – just as much as the technique and, you know, staying square and being able to block movement is one of them. You know, I really, because that's kind of tough now. You know, you, you got to yeah. be able to run the schemes versus static fronts and movement. But if I can see some uniformity, if I can see a guy looking like he's really well um, coached up, not necessarily robotic, but he's going through a progression when he has nothing to do, those are the times I go, that guy's got a good coach. Awesome. All that stuff makes a lot of sense, coach. Well, I appreciate it. And, guys, it's been an absolute ple pleasure to be on the Run the Power podcast. I've been listening to it for months now. Um, it's definitely an honor to, to be here. Um, I look forward to getting a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Ne next time I'm, I'm down in the third ward, I'll, I'll come, come by and swing by and learn about Duo and, and get you your shirt. That's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.